Welcome to the Fredrickson Health Show, highlighting expert practitioners from health, fitness, injury prevention, functional medicine, and integrative medicine. If you are into upgrading and optimizing your health, this podcast is for you. This podcast is for educational purposes only and not intended to be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here is your host, Dr. Robert Fredrickson. All right, friends, we are back for another episode of the Fredrickson Health Show. Today, we are going to talk about airway health, sleep health, um, sleep apnea. With a superstar in this arena, we have Rhonda Holman, the airway champion. Um, She is a 21-year-old U.S. Air Force trained dental assistant who has spent her entire career looking at airway disorders and helping their negative effects in the mouth. She has dedicated the last four years to helping patients and strangers on social media understand the negative effects of oral breathing and on their oral health. Rhonda not only has a passion to help people discover the root cause to so many non-communicable diseases, but she grew up with an undiagnosed airway disorder herself. And after connecting the signs to the symptoms, it is her mission to help others learn and see the signs so they can advocate for themselves. Um, Rhonda had extraction uh, retraction orthodontics completed when she was 12 years old. Um, she was then diagnosed with upper airway resistance syndrome when she was 37 years old. So she then made a choice to either live with struggling to breathe during sleep or to continue to watch her oral health decline. So she decided to make a change to improve her airway health. She shares her passion every single day to help people understand the difference between sleep and quality sleep and its interrelationship between airway health and breathing. Rhonda, thank you so much for coming on today. Oh, thank you, doctor, for having me. Uh, by the way, I'm not 21. I wish I was 21. Like, I, I'm, I'm 41, uh, but I started dental assisting 21 years ago. Uh, so, sorry, if, if, if I, I said that wrong, I apologize. Just like that restorative sleep, I probably do look 21. I don't you know. You do look 21, yes. <laughs> if you sleep good, you can look as good as Rhonda. Okay, guys? <laughs> That's the secret. Well, Rhonda, thank you so much for coming on today. I'm so excited to dive into airway breathing proper airway breathing, sleep apnea, sleep obstruction disorders. But I just want to, for anyone listening, how did you get into this? What was um, kind of the turning point? I know you've been in a, de- a dental assistant for over 21 years. Let's, let's backtrack. How did you become into this industry 21 years ago? Well, you know, um, if, if anyone's watching or listening and you've had an airway disorder your whole life, um, you probably have a couple of things that I had, you know, recurrent primary tooth decay, you know, cavities in your baby teeth, or you lived with a chronic drippy nose or chap lips, or you had ear infections or throat infections. Like you end up spending a lot of time at your dental office if you have access to care. <laughs> so... I was like, wow, I love this place. You know, I spent so many hours in my youth in the dentist's office or at the orthodontist. I developed these relationships and I'm like, oh, I want to be this when I grow up. Uh, So, yeah, that's how I ended up in the dental field specifically. (laughs) So you liked being in the dental office because most people are terrified of going to the dentist. They're they're afraid of getting cavities and they're afraid of going to the dentist. But you actually thrive. You actually love going. That's crazy. Well, you know, it's like exposure therapy. You know, if, if you do it enough, it becomes like something you would want to do. <laughs> I mean, and that's the same story with me. I go to chiropractors all the time. It's like, this is cool. I, I like being in this environment of helping people. So, so I understand. Well, um, tell me, tell me about the beginning and when you started. Um, obviously, you're looking at people's mouth 
a lot, mm-hmm. right, as a dental assistant. But how did you start, you know, realizing that the airway obstruction was such a more prevalent thing that was happening in these people that no one really talks about or realizes? Yeah, you know, I, I I was like 17 years in and, you know, we would do these exams and, and we'd note these things, but we never did anything with the information. You know, patient has a scalloped tongue, which means they have like indentations on their tongue from their teeth or uh, patient is a cheek biter or patient has lower tori. That's the excess bone that grows underneath the, the b- lower teeth. And then, you know, a patient would have, you know, a, a just in general, like enlarged tongue, they would have angular chelitis. That's where you get like the cracking on the side of your lips. Uh, they would have anterior wear, like your front teeth are getting shorter. Hmm. But nobody connected all the signs. They didn't say, I wonder why. We would just write them down and keep going on our way, looking at gum health and tooth health. Until one day, uh, my office and I went to a continued education course. And the entire day was spent on mandibular advancement devices. Now, what are those? Those are oral appliance alternatives to CPAP therapy. So CPAP is continuous positive air pressure for people with sleep apnea that has been diagnosed. And, you know, you know, I was like, okay, well, this is great. Like I can help these patients that are having trouble breathing at night. We can put this plastic in, it'll bring their jaw forward, get their tongue out of their airway, and they can have restorative reparative sleep. Um, but the entire day, not one presenter even dabbled in the idea of why people were getting sleep apnea. And I, it just lit a fire. I wanted to know why. Why were people having to have air shoved down their nose? Why were people having their tongue choke them while they slept? Like, I just, ugh, I couldn't stand it. So ever since then, I mean, there's not a day that goes by that I don't spend reading literature or searching the internet for the experts, teaching the fundamentals of how this breathing dysfunction is affecting so many people in industrialized countries. Right. <laughs> and, and nobody and nobody talks about it. Um, so before we dive into what proper breathing is, can you just give us a, a broad view of the anatomy associated with obstructive, you know, breathing disorders and what you're seeing in the field? Because the dental assistant, in my understanding, when I go to the dentist, I'm talking to my dental assistant for a long time. And I'm with the dentist for only, you know, a short amount of time because I don't really have any major issues, right? So you actually are spending a lot of time with these patients and really figuring out their history, their sleep, their quality of sleep, their quality of life. And so can you explain kind of um, what you're seeing when you're, when you're talking to patients, but also the anatomy involved and what to look for, you know, like going into the, the airways and what, what can be obstructed and what that means to, to people like me who don't know. So absolutely. So what the way that airway focused dentistry is going is we look at comorbidity signs and symptoms. So if you present to my practice and you have wearing of the front teeth, you have that extra bone growing on the underneath your tongue, you have a tongue tie, you have uh, all of these signs, you have uh, ab fractions or gum recession, you know, where clenching and grinding is literally broken down the structures around the teeth. I think, okay, well, it's time to look in your health history. Well, I see here you have diabetes type two, adult onset. I see here you have anxiety that you're being treated for with antidepressants. Oh, I also see here that you have high blood pressure that's really hard to control. Have you had a sleep test? 
And so that opens up the door like, okay, let's talk about your sleep. Have you been told that you snore? Do you wake up with a headache? Do you have a dry mouth? Do you wake up to use the bathroom at night? Uh, all these open-ended questions help to get the patient to a place where like, could there be a relationship between what's going on in my medical condition and what's going on with my teeth and my mouth? And uh, I just basically, I facilitate a marriage of the information. <laughs> and as a dental assistant, I have the opportunity to spend more educational time with the patients. And uh, so honing my skills has kind of been like the most important thing to me because the way I see it is in order to be a true expert, you have to be able to explain the complex simply. If I tell you, I wonder about your OHI or OA events or your desaturation or, you know, your pulse rate, like blah, 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 blah. that's all they hear. I'm like, do you snore? Do you, do you have all these other things? Did you wet the bed when you were a kid? Like, and, and tying back the ear infections, the throat infections, you know, the crowded teeth, you know, we were not designed to have malocclusion and people are just sending their kids to the orthodontist. They're saying, oh, your teeth don't fit in your mouth. Let's take four of them out and put you in wires and we'll make your teeth straight. But they're not going back through the health history. They're not going back to what caused their teeth to be crooked in the first place. And then, you know, just the whole idea of finding the root cause, figuring out where the mouth breathing started, understanding how the muscles of the face will dictate the bone growth in the face and how you grow up. I mean, most of the craniofacial growth is done by the age of seven. So, I mean, our goal is to get to the parents so that we can educate them and, you know, kind of put a stop to this in the first place. So, you know, that three-year-old doesn't turn into the 55-year-old man with a large neck circumference and he's struggling to breathe every night. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so my question and more, I, okay. just, I just find it so fascinating. I'm sure you get this a lot as patients are coming in to get their teeth cleaned and get their routine checkups. And you're talking about all these things like, I didn't expect this from my, my dental office. I didn't expect to be going into my, my sleep quality and yeah. my, uh, my health history. Like they, like you guys are doing, it sounds like, right. This is kind of, um, in my opinion, not a normal traditional no, thing in the dental industry. It's, it's so. functional dental practicing and, um, it can be overwhelming. You know, we do a good job. Like in my logo, I created, you know, integrative airway health. I want my patients to know before they meet me that we look at the whole system, not just the parts. And, um, you know, a lot of times I will have to read the room. I have been known to jump off the cliff and be like, oh my gosh, no, and, and overwhelm them. So uh, that's part of my mission is to dial it down and make it easier to understand. But if we do not address the root cause, what caused you to crack that tooth? What caused your front teeth to get short? What caused that excess bone on the bottom? What's causing this gum recession? If I don't educate you on why it happened, then if we simply restore you back to your aesthetically driven smile, you will continue to recreate the problem. So I think it's important as a provider to educate people on why it's happening, what it's linked to in your life. And if we fix it, why we need to start with where it started. I a hundred percent agree is I'm all about root cause resolution and not more just the symptoms, but what the why. Why are you having this pain? Why are you having this inflammation? It's not normal to have chronic inflammation in your entire body, right? So that is so cool. So on the topic of proper breathing, mm -hmm. um, why do we breathe the way we do? Well, I mean, mostly it's epigenetics. Uh, you know, there are some people born with tongue ties, which is a restrictive fascia issue under the tongue. So in utero, this piece of 
tether tissue was supposed to reabsorb. On, on the frenulum? The frenulum, the frenum. Yeah, yeah that yep. goes through both. Um, that can be a driving factor uh, to low tongue tone and low tongue posture. But a lot of, I mean, we can trace it back to a kid that had a bad cold. You know, they had one bad cold, started mouth breathing. No one said, hey, that's not the way the body functions. And it's just the rest of their life, they're breathing through the wrong hole. <laughs> the wrong hole. So let's talk. Yeah, let's talk. So I don't, I don't think a lot of people listening will, will know this either. So what is proper airway breathing? And explain why we should breathe out of our nose versus out of our mouth and what makes it better for our bodies, our biomechanics, posture, mm -hmm. quality of life, all that. Can you explain that for us, please? Absolutely. So let me tell you what improper breathing is. So Perfect. improper breathing is upper chest breathing through the mouth, skipping all the filtration that the nose does. <laughs> and it's over breathing. So you're not utilizing the CO2 tolerance or the nitric oxide that's produced in your nasal cavity. So over breathing, it just is, it's a survival mechanism. Like our mouth is a great backup. If I have congestion, I have that cold. It is a great backup, but it's not its primary function. Noses are for breathing. Mouths are for eating. Now, ah. what functional nasal breathing looks like is it's slow and silent through the nose at rest. And you're breathing with your diaphragm. I mean, think about it. So if I'm pulling air in, I'm getting filtration from my nose. So I've got the little hairs that are going to grab the big particles of whatever's going on in the air. I've got the mucus that's going to help neutralize whatever bacteria, viruses are in the air. I've got all these beautiful chambers. They're, they're warming up the air. They're conditioning it, getting it ready. And then if anything makes it past that, I've got my adenoid and tonsil tissue to grab any last particles before it gets to my lungs. So just right in that process, I mean, I've already got my air conditioned for my lungs. And then by belly breathing with the diaphragm, when you do so, when you exhale, it's almost really hard to breathe with your upper chest. You have to engage the lower lobes of the lung where the blood lives, you know, that's where the good stuff is. And I'm getting all of that movement in my upper thoracic and my rib cage when I'm expanding my diaphragm and contracting it. So I'm massaging my organs. Like I'm doing all of these amazing things that you don't do when you mouth breathe. Love it. So the nose is primary for breathing. The mouth is the backup. The mouth yeah. is for eating, as you eloquently said. And we don't use our, our nose enough, right, for so many different issues. Um, so talk about proper... So say we're already breathing through our nose. What is a proper way to breathe? We always talk about deep diaphragmatic breathing. Um, what does that mean? Why should that be something that a lot of people should strive for on an everyday basis? Absolutely. So proper breathing is slow and silent. And the goal would be have like a passive pause at the end of each exhale. And then knowing that every exhale through your nose should be longer than the inhale through your nose. So what happens on the exhale for nasal nitric oxide production and absorption is by expanding that exhale, you're actually producing more nasal nitric oxide, which by the way, is a miracle molecule. They discovered it and you know, they, you know, it the only cloud it ever gets is Viagra, which is a really shameful thing. Like there's so much more to nasal nitric oxide, but what you do is it's a vasodilator. So if I'm extending my exhale, I'm producing more nasal nitric oxide and then I'm rebreathing it back in, I'm getting like it virtually, a, it, it, it has a benefit to every single cell in your body. 
<laughs> yeah, I want to just reemphasize this. So there is not a oral nitric oxide. There's a nasal nitric oxide, which we are just missing out on natural nitric oxide, you know, production if we're breathing through our mouth all day long, right? Yep. So, so that's crazy because yeah, noble uh, nitric oxide actually won two Nobel prizes, and it's the miracle compound that no one talks about, right? And if you are deficient in nitric oxide. Not getting oxygen to your cells you're not getting nutrients to your cells you're having issues with blood pressure but you're also having pl uh issues with nutrient delivery i mean the list goes on and on right so i think this is something that people don't talk about enough and it's something as simple or as can't be as simple as just breathing through your nose right it's right here we have a pharmacy we don't even use you know just and, and when i when i started fundamentally understanding how many things in my life were related to my oral breathing that's like the fancy way of saying mouth breathing when I realized how many things, I had no clue, but until they started getting better and all I changed was the way I breathe. I'm like, oh my goodness, <laughs> my yeah. brain went away. My teeth started staying cleaner. Uh, I, my body aches went away. Like I haven't, I can't even remember the last time I took a pain reliever, like an Advil or a Tylenol. It, it's just, it's fascinating that this was right here in front of my face the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. it doesn't work properly because the nose is a use it or lose it organ. So if you are not habitually breathing through your nose, it will become congested. It's just that way. And so unless you really understand why it's good for you to power through that week or two of congestion is miserable. And that's where Buteco breathing comes in. And um, it's a Dr. Constantine Buteco. He was a doctor that, um, started looking at his own breath and he, he kept saying, you know, all of these people that are in the hospital and they're, you know, they're dying of these non-communicable diseases, right? So what is different about them for me? And he said, I could tell it in their breath. You can see them. It's labored breathing and it's audible. Like you can hear it. And, and they all have these signs. And he thought, well, is there a chance there's a correlation between these end stages diseases and maybe where it could have helped to start? And uh, so Buteco breathing basically is, is a tool, right? It's going to help you open up the sinus cavity and it's going to help you learn to tolerate CO2. A lot of us, you know, just like with other mineral deficiencies, we don't have a tolerance for CO2. So I hear so many times, you know what, Rhonda, I tried to, uh, to stop mouth breathing and nasal breathe, but I feel like I'm not getting enough air. That is a repeat thing. I'm not getting enough air, but but you are, <laughs> you know, from the oxygen that we actually use when we inhale, even through our mouth, it's like 20%. I'm not sure exactly if that's right, but it's close. So you have plenty access to oxygen. You just have a low tolerance to CO2. Oh, that's interesting. So <laughs> same, same analogy, if you're holding your breath and you're going underwater for 20 seconds and you feel like you're out of air, mm -hmm. well, if you build up that CO2 tolerance over time, you can hold your breath longer, right? So it's yep. a muscle that you can build. Um, so you mentioned a couple of things I want to un unpack. You mentioned pain inflammation. When you started breathing better, mm -hmm. you noticed you didn't have to take over-the-counter NSAIDs and Tylenol or uh, Tylenol and acetaminophen. Is that right? Yeah. Since night one of taping my lips during sleep, I have not had a migraine. I started having migraines when I was, I think, eight years old. Um, and I went to a neurologist and MRIs, CTs, all of that. And and my my only solution that I was giving from my neurologist was take an anti-inflammatory like an Advil when you get the start of your headache and then you lay down 
you know, or avoid caffeine or, you know, just these little things, but they weren't addressing the cause because people don't know what they don't know. And we're still like, uh, James Nestor did a fabulous job. Like it's the lost art of a new science, like the new science of a lost art, that new science of a lost art. But what he does is this has been common knowledge more than once and, and just societies. And it keeps getting buried and lost like this, you know, how, how did I turn to be 37 years old and not realize that mouth breathing was not the right way, <laughs> you know, the body functions. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I, I've learned so much too. Um, and, uh, James Nesser, I've read his book, great book, tons of information there, but I want to talk about your migraines again. So how often mm -hmm. were you getting your migraines um, before you started breathing more intently with your, with your nasal passage passages? Yeah, absolutely. At least once a month. Um, when I was a kid, it was more often, you know, do, during puberty. Um, but it was, it was something I learned to live with, you know, at, especially after seeing the neurologist and, and being told that there's really nothing I could do it was a mild case, you know, um, I just, I thought it was part of me. I had no idea that it was connected to my overbreathing and my poor sleep. And see, that's where you marry the two. You know, when you start to learn about what functional breathing is, you start to realize what non-functional sleep is. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and, and making that connection is really hard for a lot of people. But once I started getting restorative sleep, the inflammation dropped, no more migraines. <laughs> That's amazing because, yeah, so many drugs out there, they vasoconstrict, they shut mm -hmm. off blood. And when you breathe through your nose, you're actually promoting more blood, mm -hmm. more nitric oxide, but you're actually sleeping better. And that's amazing with the migraine story. So thank you for sharing that. So uh, I want to talk about kids. I want to talk about kids who snore and you talked about facial development. I want to talk about that as well, but um, how do we get the kiddos to breathe through their nose? And cause that's gotta be a, I'm thinking about my four-year-old right now. I'm like, how do I get him to breathe through his nose without telling him that? And how do I get that, get him to do that at, when he sleeps? Do you have any suggestions for that? Just creating awareness. I mean, I tell anybody if they don't want to get overwhelmed, this whole thing, you know, talking about the tongue and the lips and and how our diaphragm works and what lobes to use in the lungs, becoming aware of the way you breathe. If a child's breathing is audible, say, hey, you know, can you hear your breathing? Because I was noticing I could hear your breathing. And then they start to slow it down. Or like in my family, I have a seven-year-old and a 13-year-old. We've been taping their lips for four years, but they still have open mouth posture during the day. You know, they don't care as much as I do because they didn't have all the comorbidities yet. <laughs> um, but I just say lips, lips, lips. So what, what happens with the muscles of the face and tongue is if your lips are closed, your tongue is more likely to rest closer to the roof of your mouth, which is where it should be. It should be flat on the roof of your mouth from the tip to the back with light suction. And so that's a great step. And, and what you notice is as you make them aware of their breathing, they will start to then be able to slow the breathing down because how you breathe during the day will dictate how you breathe during sleep. And that's crucial to understand. And, and like I said before, the nose is a user lose it organ. So the more I can get that child to breathe through their nose during the day, the more they will get closer, you know, with the advent of like myotape, which is like a, a kinesiology tape that goes around the lips, creating enough tension to help them keep them sealed during night. And uh, it, it will work better. But there are other, this is where it gets complicated. So this is where the food shows up, the food in our environment, you know, the allergens in these four walls and the, the fried uh, French fries I just had that was in soybean or vegetable oil, like, and then you kind of, you have to, 
you have to go slow. The first is awareness and then start to figure out why is my kid so snotty all the time. And then a lot of times, if you rule out the fact that your nose hasn't been functioning, like they had just haven't been using it, then you're like, okay, well, there's more to this onion. Let's peel this back. Oh, could be a food sensitivity. Maybe now I know why you're getting so much mucus. Like, of course, uh -huh. you're not going to want to switch pathways if this guy is clogged with other stuff from your environment. <laughs> right. Now so you're speaking my language, speaking about, you know, food allergies and proper mm -hmm. diet for these kiddos, uh, mucus production. So... I love the analogy that you gave. The nose is for breathing. The mouth is for eating. And if you give a kid that simple analogy, I think that'd be very understandable. And I'm just thinking about that's what I would, that's what I'm going to tell my son today. Hey, if we start doing this, he's actually got a lot of issues with, he's got sleep apnea, snores a lot. He's got inflamed tonsils. Can you talk about that with kids and, and tonsils and, you know, swollen adenoids and all of that? I'm sure you see a lot of that in your practice. Yeah, it's, it's a vicious cycle. <laughs> You know, and I, I did a great job uh, with Dr. Zoggy's material today on my TikTok account, but it shows the cycle. So whatever it is that caused the mouth breathing, the instigator, whether it was a cold or a tech neck, you know, from looking down all the time and your mouth pops open, or if it's the food or the sensitivities to food, what it comes down to is as soon as you switch the, the, the pathway in which you breathe, you're dysfunctional. So what happens with dysfunction is it perpetuates itself. It's the cycle. So I'm oral breathing, which means I'm skipping all the filters in my nose, which means, especially for kids, my adenoid and tonsil tissue, it's going to get a little inflamed, right? It's not getting used properly and it's going to start to swell. And as it swells, it's going to make it harder for me to breathe through my nose. There's way more resistance. And oh, by the way, I still have that CO2 tolerance. It's really low. <laughs> and what will happen is, these children, they go to sleep at night and they are not getting restorative reparative sleep. They are constantly trying to breathe. So I, I use this analogy, the CPR technique, right? Tin chilt, head lift or head, head lift, tin chilt. So the concept is trying to open up their airway. So you can see them struggling. They'll sweat profusely. They'll pee the bed. They will move all over the bed. And I, I tell moms and dads all the time, I'm like, okay, Make their bed nice and tight, okay? Put your child in bed. When they wake up in the morning, look at the sheets. You have all the signs right here. Just look at the sheets. Are they disheveled? Are they kind of in the same place they were when your child went to sleep? If those sheets are all over the bed, you already know that your child did not have restorative or reparative sleep. They were constantly struggling all night. And the thing with this is Dr. McIntosh does a great job. He says, if there's a... If there's a bad guy in your kid's room and, and he's over there and he's strangling your child every single night, would you call the cops? And so I'm like, oh, so that's at that point, if your child is struggling to breathe every night, you're definitely going to go to an ENT. You're going to figure out if you can help your child get a bigger airway while they sleep at night. Because there are ways, you know, there's holistic approaches. Like I said, you could find the inflammatory mucus pr producing foods. You could try, but it could take months. You know, in the meantime, your child is getting brain damage every night because of the drops in oxygen saturation and not being able to stay in that growth phase. You know, and mm. it's like this full cycle. Like if my tongue is down and my lips are open and I'm a child, about an hour after I go to sleep, that growth hormone gets released. Guess which direction my body's going to grow in? Right. Right. It's going to grow down instead of forward and out. And then you, that's when you get the crowded teeth and the smaller airways. 
So what if you're an adult and you're moving like these kids do all over the bed and you're waking up on upside down, right? You're not getting restful sleep either. So yeah, so it happens to everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, So a quick question before break, I want to talk about proper facial development and what that means as far as a narrower um, Mm -hmm. facial development versus a wider. So, because I just heard this in a podcast that you mentioned um, earlier today. And and I know James Nestor in his book mentions this as well. So... When our tongue is, okay, here, here, okay. So a lot of people that have oral breathing from childhood, you know, this isn't something that was a late onset. You know, they didn't just start mouth breathing at 23. They started maybe even in utero. Like we're getting so much um, science on this. Um, Kevin Boyd, Dr. Kevin Boyd's doing a great job with anthropology and figuring out, you know, where did the skeleton skulls go wrong? (laughs) You know, And, and they can trace it back to the industrial revolution. I mean, it's clear as day. However, The tongue is the scaffolding for the nose. The roof of your mouth is the floor of your sinus. If your roof of your mouth is like an arch or a cathedral, that's gonna make or break the difference. So your tongue should be flat on the roof of your mouth during the developmental stages. And if it is, then it's gonna look like an imprint, like a thumbprint of your tongue on the roof of your mouth. So if my tongue is up there, then my arches, my teeth are going to grow in nice and broad and straight. Oh, and then by the way, my nose hole is going to be bigger (laughs) because I don't have my palate growing in to where my sinus cavity is. And so if you think about the tongue being one of the major drivers in facial growth, you'll understand why it's so important. But here's the deal. If you are mouth breathing, it is impossible for your tongue to live on the roof of your mouth. Wow. That tongue isn't up there creating that growth, that width. You know, you see all these people like these Hollywood stars with these great square jaws. It's not just beauty. It is health. People innately know what is healthy and what is not healthy. We can look at each other. We might have different words for it. Oh, maybe they're, you know, they're not aesthetically pleasing. But what we know from the science is that beauty is health. That's right. So, I know there's a lot that we can do with kids to promote optimal structure. But what if you're older? I mean, is there is there any hope if you have been mouth breathing for 50 years and you just now start nasal breathing? I mean, is what is it? It is what it is at that point, or is nope. there any? No, it's nope. not. Okay, I'm there's on hope. my airway journey. I'm growing my face for O2 space. I have patients in their 70s growing their face. What we know about the palatal sutures is they don't fully fuse for seven decades. Wow. So those palatal sutures are the things that are going to dictate your nasal capacity, you know, how big the sinuses are. And they're going to help with forward head posture, you know, kind of bringing back that spine into optimal, you know, get your ears over your shoulders. <laughs> you know, it's, absolutely. You there, there is no cutoff. There is um, as far as human bodies being malleable, like you can get a lot more growth in a kid if you get them before the age of seven. I have patients three, four years old that are in what's called an ALF, which is advanced light wire functional. It's like this really discreet piece of metal, but it's an osteopathic appliance that dentistry we co-work with. So we, we share patients, you know, it's the whole idea of integrative teams. And what it does is it helps promote tongue posture and growth of the bones. And it's just a wire that goes from molar to molar. It has a little omega loop and it sits right on the bone. It doesn't sit on teeth, you know, because we're not doing orthodontics. 
we've learned <laughs> that even if I move teeth, I didn't fix the bone. If I don't fix the bone, then I don't give you a bigger airway. And uh, there's, you know, there's other appliances like the OmniBlock. The, there's a ton. I mean, you could look online. There's like 300 different oral growth appliances to grow the human face. I, however, am my own guinea pig. And um, I hit it from all sides. So I'm trying to grow my face naturally, which is going to take me like 15 years longer than if I had gone into an oral growth appliance like the ALF. <laughs> but I want to show that it can be done. And I want to experience all the other changes that come with it. Oh, That's which we'll talk about after break. Yes. So growing my face for proper airway space, that is an amazing analogy to Take a break. So we're gonna, guys, we're gonna take a quick 30 second break. And when we come back, we're gonna talk about all things airy health, sleep apnea, proper sleep quality, and more with Rhonda Holman, the airway expert. We'll see you guys soon. All right, so that was a little bit quicker than 30 seconds, but we are back. So <laughs> still playing around with the live StreamYard function. So Rhonda, let's talk about proper posture and what that means for proper breathing. Because I'm all about proper posture. You know, I've been educating patients on this forever. So many people come in with text neck or, uh, you know, four rounded shoulders. They've been sitting at a desk eight hours or more all day long. And so there's a lot of muscular imbalances that we see, a lot of tight muscles that we see, a lot of pain that we're seeing associated with this, but talk about breathing and what's associated with a forward slouched posture. Absolutely. Okay. So let's go back to the mouth. I'm breathing through my mouth, which means I have low tongue tone and I have low tongue posture, you know, just from disuse. Right. And what happens is as a compensation, I'm going to lean my head forward. It gives me a bigger air hole. Now I can breathe more air. I feel satiated. Like, and, and what we're seeing is, you know, everybody talks about like the abs being the true core. I honestly think fascia and the tongue and the toes is the true core. I, that could be my opinion. I just, I feel like the tongue is the true core because it's the tip of your fascia that runs along your entire spine through all of your muscles, all the way down to your big toe. So I love telling patients that I'm like, you know, your tongue's connected to your big toe, right? You know this. <laughs> so if there's dis-ease, or dysfunction in the tip of a system, of course, there's going to be ripple effects throughout the entire system. And as we can see with myofunctional therapy, it's specifically OMT, which is oral facial myofunctional therapy. It's rehabilitating the muscles of the tongue and the face to function properly and develop tone. These things are kind of a must, you know, if you realize, oh my gosh, I have an airway disorder. I've been breathing through the wrong hole for, you know, decades. All of these muscles are underdeveloped and there's a really good chance you've been compensating with accessory facial muscles. A lot of my patients will have dimpling in the chin and you can see from overuse, like this muscle was not meant to be dimply and prominent. And, and what's happening is because their tongue is so low in tone and posture, the back of their tongue can't lift up to help them swallow, whether it's saliva or liquid or food. So what they'll do is they'll move forward. <laughs> They're going to get that uh, motion to help propel whatever it is down into their esophagus. 
And we see just, you know, the flat cheeks, uh, the rounded, really, really not um, textured jawlines. But a lot of it is we'll see that ear posture is way too far in front of the shoulders. You know, they've been living hunched over, even me. Like when I first started my journey, I had the dog, is it Dowinger's hump? Dowinger's hump, yep. And uh, it's almost, you know, I think it's down to 10% now. It was fascinating because I just assumed that was my job. You know, I'm I'm always hunched over. Like, this is just the way it is. I'm, I'm going to have the hump. You know, I'm going to have chronic neck pain. I'm going to have, like, to go to get massages and chiropractor adjustments every day because it never stays. You know, like, I just assumed that was my normal. But as I started getting my tongue stronger and I started engaging my diaphragm, everything started straightening up along with some body work. Like, I'm not going to lie. I do a lot of fascial work because I know how important it is in diaphragmatic breathing and how much it's going to help my core. You know, my entire, you know, C1 through 7 has changed. Like, yes. I, the the mobility. I, get, I tell you what, when I started this four years ago, there's no way you could have gotten me to turn my head left like that. No way. <laughs> Look at you go. So yeah, so that's um that's great for a lot of people listening because some of my most severe patients, most severe were dental assistants, right? Yeah. Because they had the that's the job. Your job is to lean over strenuous amount of time, what eight hours or more, leaning over in probably the worst posture ever, right? But if you don't correct that, if you're not doing things to promote proper breathing, proper, you know structure function with muscles and flexibility changes and helping the upper cross uh, symptoms, it's going to get worse. And your bones are going to start forming that way. You're going to start to get some bone degeneration effects. And so it's kind of a, you know, you've obviously managed it very well. So I I think there's a lot of hope for a lot of dental assistants out there because I saw a ton of neck pain, a ton of little back pain with the dental assistants that I treated. So yeah, it's pretty severe. And a lot of those patients, because you're treating them and they're getting better when when they're in treatment, then they go back to work and they feel it again because they're not doing anything at work right? to correct it. So it's, you know, and it's funny because like, I have no clue. I've never been to a yoga class in my entire life, right? I only learn what I can on the internet, but I understand now like the fundamentals of it, you know, blood flow and circulation and, and, and just moving like the, the way I like with the alpha approach um, is the human being, regardless of age should be like Gumby. If we are stiff and inflexible, it is a sign that there's a root cause somewhere and you got to figure out where it is. Go. <laughs> yes. If it's not elastic, it's plastic. That's what I say. So, yeah, I love that. <laughs> awesome. So, on the topic of proper airway breathing, who are some of your biggest influences on this? Hmm. Okay. So, um, the first person in my life that really woke me up and and explained it in a way that I could understand it was Roger Price. Now, he was a pharmacist in South Africa. And one day he woke up and said, I don't want to be a drug dealer anymore. I want to figure out why all these people are sick. I want to at least try and find one pillar as to where this all starts. And so he started collaborating with dentists. You know, that's kind of where the pathway of airway focused dentistry came from. We are the architects of the cranial facial respiratory complex. We have the ability as an industry to see the signs and symptoms before the comorbidities are irreversible. And he did such a great job. I think he's in Australia now, but I got to meet him. So I was 
I was so fortunate. I got to go to the ADA's Pediatric Airway Conference um, in Chicago at the ADA building, which is kind of a big deal for dental people, like if you're a geek. Uh, and they were just, they spent, you know, the whole day outlining what we're looking in for kids. Like when we see these baby teeth, you know, when the top teeth come over the bottom teeth when they bite. And when there's, there's supposed to be a picket fence, like it's a good sign of cranial growth if there's gaps between every primary tooth. My so, son is good then, yes. It's really good <laughs> cranial growth. And, and, and all of these things, and then, you know, talking about the history of orthodontics and, and the muscle function. And I got to meet him <laughs> and I was like, you know, Roger Price, like you, you changed my life. Like you woke me up to sleep disordered breathing. I'm like, you're the reason I started taping my lips and, and looking into all these other things. And, uh, and then I went in the bathroom and cried for like 20 minutes. <laughs> I was so overwhelmed. I, you know, I met this guy that literally was the catalyst to change my life. Uh, Roger Price, you know, he's amazing. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Dr. Derek Nordstrom. He's the inventor of the advanced light wire functionals. He's looking at the kids at an early age and, and, and understanding how muscle function and lymphatic drainage and, and how it all plays together in craniofacial growth. Uh, I love Dr. Uh, Sarush Zoggi. He is the CEO of the Breathe Institute. And he is looking at the tethered oral tissues. Like he's a Stanford trained ENT. I mean, such a wealth of knowledge. Love his stuff. Um, I went to a mini residency in California with Dr. Bill Hang. He actually has a program called ERRS, which is Extraction Retraction Regret Syndrome. So it's basically these adults who had these primary teeth that were beautiful and healthy taken out and then had braces put on and made everything smaller you know, basically with the headgear and whatnot. And, and, you know, a lot of them don't want to do the long haul therapy like me and they, they want to get their tongue to fit earlier. Um, oh my gosh. Uh, Patrick McEwen. Oh, the oxygen advantage. I've read that book too. Yeah. Yep. Oh, he just, you know, he made it so easy to understand what slow and silent nasal breathing was and how to get there. Like he just, he does a phenomenal job at understanding CO2 tolerance and nasal nitric oxide. Oh, I have so many. I, I just, how, who, who I have here? Um, uh, Dr. Dasani, she made a really great book called Airways Life. Uh, she's kind of a dentist that woke up like I did uh, later in life to all of the comorbidities and, and understanding it's, it's really not a sleep problem. It's a breathing problem that affects your sleep. And we just got to figure that part out. Like that's that's, right. That needs to be common knowledge. It's, it's not a, you, know, like, you could sleep fine if you had all of the key ingredients. You know, it's yes. because you're breathing, you know, what happens is if you're, your oral breathing, your tongue is more likely to fall back, right? And the back of the tongue is particularly important because that's the part of your body that holds up another part of your body called the soft palate. Now, what we know from the science is that most obstructive apneas happen because of the soft palate. So the upper airway collapsing basically on itself. And, and, and understanding that when I go to bed and I hit to REM sleep, right? REM is great. You know, it's rapid eye movement. It's restorative. It's reparative. Oh, by the way, all of your muscles get paralyzed. Your diaphragm and your heart keep going, but everything else is like up to this guy. Well, as soon as that happens for a lot of us that struggle to breathe during sleep, whether it's upper airway resistance syndrome or obstructive sleep apnea, not central sleep apnea, that's different. That's a neurological component. I'm just talking about the anatomical issues. But what'll happen is you get to rim, all the muscles go limp. You've already got a weak tongue. That tongue 
in a supine position, it's just going to collapse even more and it's going to completely obstruct the airway. And so what happens is your body's going to release cortisol, cortisone, cortisol. You're going to wake up struggling to breathe. There's going to be desaturation in your oxygen. You're going to stimulate your body. And a lot of people will grind. You know, that's where the, the clenching mm -hmm. and grind. Your, your body doesn't care about your teeth, by the way, you guys. It only cares about breathing. Because if you look at the chain of command, it's breathing, water, food. <laughs> it only cares about the next breath. So what will happen is your jaw will jet forward. All these muscles will get tight. You'll have slight arousal, even if you don't remember it. And that's going to disturb the quality of your sleep. Sleep is where you heal. There is a difference between sleeping eight hours and having restorative reparative sleep for eight hours. So it's going to come in 90 minute cycles, right? So you're going to go to light sleep. Then you're going to go to REM. Then you're going to go to deep. And then you're going to cycle through. The brain and body has all of these pre-programmed functions that it needs to do during these phases. And if you're, in, I mean, there's so much technology. I mean, the smart watches, the halo rings, you don't have to rely on a, a in-lab sleep test is where we're getting to. Like it, it used to be so hard to find out what was happening with your heart and your breathing while you slept before. Now we have these tracking monitors that are fairly accurate. We have airway function, airway focused dentists that we're, we're sending patients home. You know, if you have signs and symptoms, you're going to take this home sleep test home. And we're going to get those results read by a board certified sleep physician. And we're going to find out what options we have to help you. And, 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 and just being aware of it. You know, it, it's funny. It's because I know I'm going down that rabbit hole. It's a double-edged <laughs> sword. So I have a lot of patients that say, you know, I started tracking my sleep and it, you know, every night it's like a 30, 40% on my score, or, you know, I, I got up to use the bathroom three times, or I was in the supine inside and side. And then I ended up, you know, on my belly and, and they're, they're like, it stresses me out. Like I knew I felt tired when I woke up, but this makes me even more stressed out looking at these results. So it could go two ways. As your restorative sleep improves, you have less anxiety. So that, that goes away. But I, I really urge you to you know, just give it a shot. You know, look at your sleep score. Just know the basics. You know, what, what, how much REM sleep you get, how much deep sleep you get. Just look at the basics compared to light sleep. And then, you know, evaluate. Did I get up to use the bathroom at night? Because that is a sign of an airway disorder. You know, you shouldn't have to get up to pee, you guys. Like our body turns everything off. We already talked about that. <laughs> and 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 just being aware of it. And then then you can kind of dissect it from there. Like once you realize, okay, so my sleep is poop. I didn't realize this for so many years. Like, because you don't know any better when that's all you know. Everybody's like, oh, I sleep fine but you don't know how bad it is until it gets better. And it's just this fascinating event of events that happens and unfolds and just becoming conscious of your breathing. And then, you know, understanding what good restorative sleep actually looks like. So you can compare it to yours. It'll get the ball rolling. Get the ball rolling. I love that. Yeah. So <laughs> there's, there's so many ways to track sleep now, you know, and I actually do have sleep apnea. I've, I've actually broken my nose three times. And so that's a big hindrance. Mm -hmm. I, I've, you know, got the CPAP machine, all that stuff. And, uh, but I think one of the coolest things I have is aura ring. And so the aura ring will tell me, you know, I don't know how accurate it is, but it tells me deep sleep, REM sleep, light sleep. And it, it's very fascinating to watch. Like for me, alcohol, just having like one drink, just one, like, mm -hmm. you know, not, not right before bed, obviously, but maybe like at dinner drastic, you know, reduction of quality sleep. It's crazy how worse my sleep gets. 
from that. And so, I, you know, I, I tell people all the time, Hey, if you're going to drink, drink, but if you're going to, you know, have days where you don't drink at all, you know, yeah. just, have, you say, just, just to get, make, just make sure your sleep is good. And if you don't have a tracking device or you're not actively monitoring it, you know, with the doctor or with on your own, you know, on your own accord, you're not going to know this stuff. Nope. So that, yeah. So that being said, is there any sleep questionnaires that you recommend mm -hmm. for people to take? Yeah. So one of the standard ones is called the stop bang or the Epworth sleepiness scale. Okay. So the Epworth sleepiness scale is really great. It's what we use a lot of times when people have like a CDL or they're a pilot. Um, and you know, we have to make sure that they don't have sleep apnea. That's part of, you know, public safety. Um, but it, it really asks you questions like how likely are you to fall asleep at a stoplight? How likely are you to fall asleep while watching TV? You know, just these random little questions that are just inquisitive enough to see if your sleep is restorative or not. And if it's not, why are you tired? Like Tara um, Clancy says, she's like, sleep should not make you tired. Okay. If you wake up tired and you're relying on sugar and caffeine to get you through the day, there's a problem. You're putting a Band-Aid over a bullet wound. And eventually something's going to break to the point where you can't fix it. So true. So true. And so when we, me and you spoke earlier, um, you talked about posture and like, what, what, how does the posture, like when you're going from standing to supine or laying down, um, why, why is that different for our airways and why do we have all these issues? Oh, you know, I hear that a lot. So, you know, Rhonda, every time I lay down, my nose gets all stuffed up. There's no way I could breathe through it while I sleep. <laughs> I'm like, well, it's because gravity's not your friend when you're laying down. Okay. It's your friend when you're standing up. Let's say you're still eating the food and drinking the drinks that are causing mucus and inflammation. I mean, that's a part of it you just have to fix if you really want to find health, especially if you have sleep breathing disorders. Uh, you know, I'm like, here's what happens. Like you've got gravity. You know, you've got all this excess mucus and phlegm and whatnot, and it's draining and you're clearing your throat all day <clears throat> and you're <coughs> clearing your throat all day. You're compensating like a champ, right? As soon as you lay down, guess what happens? Everything is against you. Not only do you have these super weak, flappy muscles of your face trying to choke you from the outside, you've got all this phlegm and mucus building up from the inside. That's not, it's just pooling in your sinus cavities. <laughs> it has nowhere to go. <laughs> and so that's why it's no one cause for mouth breathing. And there's no one solution. It's literally, you know, this beautiful bundle of putting all these pieces together. Yeah. And so you work with a team approach in some regards, like you'll work with some ENTs, you'll work with sleep doctors. Um, tell me about how that collaborative teamwork approach has benefited, you know, a wide range of patients with this journey. So it's amazing, especially with our kids, you know, that are in the alpha appliances. We work with an osteopath. And so they're helping to um, unrestrict the fascia. So they're going to help take the boulders out of the river. And so that we can get proper growth and fluid movement in the body. Because I don't know if you guys know this or not, but the mouth, it's attached to the rest of the body. Even if dental insurance tries to tell you different. They gave us their own insurance and they said, oh, you're just teeth. Well, the teeth are the gateway of the body. Like Dr. Lau says, this is impaired mouth syndrome. You know, whether you're using it to breathe or you're putting processed foods, refined sugars, you know, seed oils in there. This is, I mean, this is the point of entry for everything. But we're not going to be better gatekeepers 
of our airway until we can get a functioning brain that understands cause and effect. Mm. But you can't get that until you get restorative reparative sleep. So you can reduce the beta amyloid buildup in your brain. So you can actually start to function on a higher level. It's just, you have to work with the other teams. Like body work is huge. You know, the osteopathy is huge. Myofunctional therapy, working with the therapist. So not only can the dentist change the architecture of your mouth, you know, we can move the bones so that you have a bigger sinus cavity and we give room for your tongue. But if you don't fix the tongue, you don't make it strong and you don't let it live at rest at the roof of your mouth, then you're you're missing a huge part of it. And, and it was funny because Dr. Nordstrom was just talking about this this morning is so many dentists are jumping on the airway train, you know, even though it might not seem for you guys uh, that it's even common knowledge, but in my, in my field, you know, everyone's like, oh, airway, everything. But what they're doing is they're expanding these jaws, but they're not addressing the root cause, which is the muscle dysfunction, which is related to the mouth breathing. So it's important. You have to have the whole team. You have to have the, the ENT. You know, like I said, if, if there's a physical obstruction that is going to prevent me from helping you rehabilitate to nasal breathing habitually, we got to get rid of it. We've got to figure out, you know, that you just can't. You can't go any farther. It's like a choke. You can't go any farther until you get the proper pathway open, you know, and, and great patency. Uh, you need the allergists, right? You got to figure out these food sensitivities. I, I, I can't even tell you how many people, um, you know, and it's funny, okay, because people are great at excuses. What they'll say is, you know, I have a dander sensitivity, right, to cats. I have five cats. I love them. They love me. They sleep with me. They're sacrificing their breathing at night for their cat. Mm. And until you make it forefront, you know, how detrimental overbreathing through your mouth is over a period of time, acute first chronic, you are not going to convince Jane to get rid of her cats. <laughs> That's and true. Black and white and says, you know what? This is how much of a reduction, you know, how much mucus is being directly correlated with your dander allergy. People need that to make yes. change a lot of times. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of times it's a hard decision, especially if you love cats, like a lot of people do, and it's going to be hard to get those cats out of the bedroom. That's a major allergen for sure. Um, so I want to talk about something that's, you know, dear, near and dear to my heart in the functional uh, medicine mindset. But it, so diets and inflammation and how the microbiome affected your inflammation, how you were able to lose over 20 pounds. Yeah. And, I, and yeah, and you don't even need to lose weight, but how, how did that, how did just <laughs> breathing better help you on this journey for losing weight and also your inflammatory and explain mm -hmm. how your diet is, how you are doing that in your daily life as well. Well, once I, I did this systematically and not on purpose, um, I just, I hadn't learned what I hadn't learned yet. So I just started with the lip tape and then I went into muscle rehabilitation of my tongue and my face. Right. And at that point I'm like, okay, so I'm now habitually nasal breathing through my nose, but I'm still getting a lot of snot. And I was told that it's a use it or lose it organ. So it does work better, but it doesn't work optimally. How can I make it better? And so for me, it was an elimination diet. You know, I, I went Dr. Google, right? You know, we have information there. Maybe it's not all accurate. And maybe some of it's biased and maybe some of it's misleading, but there are some bones in there, you know, seed oils, um, you know, things, some type of dairy that's not pasteurized. Um, this white sugar stuff, you know, that showed up and people started getting sick, weird. Um, all of these other things <laughs> that have been right in front of me. So I just got rid of them. 
I did the elimination diet. I'm like, okay, every day I woke up, how much snot do I have today? I'd blow my nose. I'd look in the toilet paper. I'm like, how much snot do I have today? There are ways to look at our body parts to see what we are doing, whether it's where we're living, what we're putting in it. To, it talks to us. I mean, Ayurvedic medicine, I mean, it's the whole thing is looking yeah. at your body parts and figuring out what, you know, whatever it's malabsorption, you know, you can, you can have these little signs and signals. The migraines for me was my signal. Um, it's just understanding how um, dysfunction looks. And it was funny because I always say this, my husband used to always get up in the morning to go use the bathroom. And I'm like, that's so weird. Like, he's so weird. Like he poops every morning. That's not normal. <laughs> I was the non-normal one. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's so that's so critical to have that routine. So, um, I, yeah, I'm a big fan of the elimination diet for sure. And it's so, so affordable and it's so easy to do. When you were doing it, were you doing like uh, just eliminating one food group? Like, hey, I'm going to eliminate dairy today. See how my mucus production is tomorrow. Or is no. it more of a, all, all like different ones at the same time? How yeah, did you, how did you out, approach that? I took out sugar, oil, um, dairy all at the same time. Nice. So and you then, took, them, uh, took them all out. Yeah. I went like a month and then I tried dairy. Oh, it was messed up, dude. I went to Dairy Queen. <laughs> I was like, okay, I can do this. Like who's, I'm just going to jump right in. Right. So I get one. I was like, oh, it's a mini blizzard. <laughs> oh, no big deal. Oh, it's horrible. So I had stomach cramps. I had diarrhea. I felt like I had a hangover the next day between the, the dairy and the sugar all at one time. It was just, okay. I, yep. I know what it is. <laughs> right. So yeah, cause, cause your airways are inflamed. You're not sleeping as good. And so you're now horrible. making that connection uh, for those two. And so um, I want to just kind of give people maybe a, a framework or a protocol. So if they're trying to really start to, you know, engage in this type of breathing and start to really change their sleep quality, what are, if you had to do like a, a 12 week plan or maybe it's, longer, shorter than that, what would you recommend to people to start with and something super simple just to begin with? Yeah. Just step one, become conscious of where your lips and tongue are. So if your lips and tongue are in their proper place and space, you're more likely to use the proper pathway to breathe. So once you establish just knowing where your body parts are, then you'll start doing the audible. Do I hear myself breathing? Can I hear it? Is it audible? I'm probably breathing too fast and too heavy, and it's probably my upper chest. So I'm going to slow it down. I'm going to pull that air into my diaphragm, my lower lobes of my lung, and I'm going to make it slow. So you've got body posture. You've got audibility. And then just understand, you know, how hard is it for me to do the sleep? You know, am I waking up to go to the bathroom? Just even keeping a journal next to your bed and saying, you know, last night I woke up twice to use the bathroom. I woke up three times to drink water. I woke up once and ate a chocolate cake. Um, I, swear, <laughs> you know, I listened to this little free phone app called Snorlab and man, I was sawing logs. Just be, <laughs> making these little, how do I feel? You know, after that whole night of activity, when I was supposed to be resting and restoring and I was doing these other things with my body, how do I feel? Do I feel tired? And then understanding like, until you get your sleep breathing, slow and silent at rest, whatever modality that, that you need to get there, then you'll understand you won't need the sugar and the caffeine, which has been your crutch all these years, because you'll actually be producing energy in your own body and not relying on fakes. <laughs> 
you know, I tell my patients all the time, I'm like, don't worry, you're going to get rid of the, you know, these, these complex carbs, you're going to get rid of this, the sugar craving these, you know, designer coffees, but not until we fix your sleep. But in the meantime, I'd love for you to try and reduce it. Let's say, you know, there's a 12 hour half-life to caffeine, right? So just don't drink coffee past 10 a.m. Let's try that. Because if I can get you to stop incorporating caffeine into your afternoon, there's a chance I can make your sleep better. Oh, which by the way, will make you crave less caffeine tomorrow. So it's just systematically taking out these things, you know, body parts, audible breathing. Did my belly move when I breathed? Um, do you know, just understanding that what you do during the day is going to dictate how you sleep and breathe at night. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing that. So you mentioned a lot of people that were big inspirations to you, but you are actually a big inspiration to so many on social media. So if anyone hasn't seen TikTok, if you haven't seen the Airway Champion, she's gone viral on a bunch of videos. Can you talk about your first viral video on Airway Health and how it's kind of led you to this, I guess, progression of mm -hmm. doing more and more videos all the time on specifically nasal airway breathing? Yeah, you know, it is... <laughs> So my first video that went viral, it was like 1.8 million. Um, wow. It was a post from Professor John Mew. He used to be an orthodontist in, in England, and then he had his, his license revoked because of the controversy around orthodontics. And he has a, a, a principle called orthotropics, and it's not conventional. People are scared of stuff they don't know, right? And he had a case where there was a 13-year-old boy, had great cranial growth right? You know, had this nice prominent chin, you know, everything was proportionate, very little asymmetry. He gets a hamster. He puts it in his bedroom. Turns out he's allergic to the hamster, starts getting congestion, chronic congestion, right? Switches to mouth breathing. Doesn't get rid of the hamster, you know, because he doesn't realize it's tied together. And his face shape changes. Because what we know, you guys, is muscle will dictate bone. If you look at anybody that's quadriplegic, paraplegic, anybody that, you know, had great muscle structure and then for some reason there's neurological damage or nerve damage and they can't move a body part, it atrophies, period and dot. Same thing happens to your face. So the goal is you have to understand this basic principle. Your face, your body is going to change no matter what you do. You get to dictate whether it goes in the right direction or the wrong direction if you're an able-bodied person. And... And that, oh man, it went, yeah, crazy. It was like, oh my God, his face looks so different. Like it melted. I'm like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure with that many views, I'm sure you had a ton and ton of comments that were never ending. So, oh, yeah. so that, that was your very first video you posted, that one? That was, that, uh, no, it might've been different. I think I was talking about canines that grow out the side, but that, that was my first viral video, you know, before I was talking about crooked teeth and how we can see on somebody's face if there's a muscle dysfunction or airway disorder. <laughs> That's cool. So you started last year during the pandemic with TikTok, I guess. Yeah, or? you know, I, I I really hit it hard. I'm like, oh my gosh, people seriously don't know this. I'm like, well, duh, you didn't know this either. <laughs> and then I, I did find a hick uh, a hitch in my giddy up. So I I'm being a dental assistant. I'm coming at this from a completely different unskewed perspective, right? I actually think it's a benefit to not being a doctor because I get to look at all the avenues and I'm not kind of sectioned off to my little box. I mm -hmm. really love that about it. I, you know, you're just going to have biases no matter what profession you're in. You're like, Oh, it's all about the cholesterol or, Oh, it's all about the defeat. I, I love that. I get to be like a third party, 
but speech language pathologists didn't love that about me. And um, I had to kind of reconfigure the way I was uh, educating the public. So it couldn't come from me. That's what it came down to. It had to come from the experts, you know, the ENTs, the, the, the dentist. It had to come from the allergists, the, the chiropractors, osteopaths. It had to come from them. So then I got really good at screen recording and, and, and finding these beautiful little chunks of information. I only had 60 seconds to do it, mind you, because people, their attention spans so short because they're not getting good sleep. And <laughs> I, you know, I, just, I'm like, I only got 60 seconds to nail this video. Otherwise, I'm going to have like a million questions in the comment section. So I, I want people to be able to find the people that are teaching me. Like, it's not fair that I know all of this. And the only reason I know it is because I've looked at the experts in their particular field and I try to just, you know, make it a resource. And, and it's actually, I think my TikTok account is kind of um, selfish. Like I will learn something, I will share it. And then two months later, when I learn something else, I'll go back to the thing I shared and it makes more sense. <laughs> yeah, but it's just, that's how, that's how we learn and grow. So um, for anyone listening and, they're trying to find your amazing TikTok account. Where can they find you you out on that platform? Uh, so I'm the underscore airway underscore champion. Nice. So just like it's displayed right here, the airway champion, the airway champion guys go follow her. Um, so wrapping up, if, if there is a question, so if you were, if we had a flip rolls here and you were to ask me or, and I was, and there is a question that I missed that you would like me to ask or something else you'd like to elaborate on. Is there anything that you can think of? Okay. Um, you've broken your nose three times. Now that we've had this conversation, you've had access to the breath book. How willing would you be to get an otolaryngologist or an ENT to help you with your structure so that nasal breathing would be more patent? Yeah. So that's, that's the next step for sure. And I, I've already like made a mental note during this talk. Yeah. I need, I need to go. I've been hesitant, right? I, I do nasal breathing. I take my mouth shut and my wife can't stand it. Cause she's like trying to talk I'm like, got my mouth shut. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think it's more of a structure thing at this point. Yeah. So you can probably hear it when I'm, when I'm in my podcast, you can actually hear my labored breathing. So you can, and, and just think about you're compensating because you're upright. So when you go to sleep at night, even if you're breathing through the proper pathway, it's still restricted and it's still going to um, affect your oxygen saturation and your heart rate and your sleep quality. And so I have this conversation with so many people. I'm like, if there is a structural issue, you know, I can do stuff with your mucus and your inflammation. You know, I can make that hole bigger just by making the tissues less big. <laughs> I can make your hole bigger by making your tongue stronger and push up your soft palate for you. I can make your lips stronger so that they stay shut without tape eventually. I can give you the tips to Boteco breathing so you can build your CO2 tolerance and, and you can breathe slower every night when you sleep. But this, this, the anatomical component, and, and we're seeing this, it's just, it's one of those things as you get older, you can compensate less and less and less. And then just doing it when you're young and healthy. I mean, that's the whole principle behind these wisdom teeth removal, right? Get them when they're 15 before they have roots and the surgery's not invasive. Like don't wait till they're 35 and they come in and they've got pus and bone loss. So I think that's, uh, you know, another thing. Like I love the holistic approach. I love functional medicine in the aspect that there's tools at our disposal. But I think that understanding that the more room you have up here at the end of the day, all of it, it's just, it's marrying all of it together, you know, and, and understanding that this breath is life. 
And yes. not that you have to get surgery because Patrick McEwen has a deviated septum and, you know, a very enlarged nasal turbinate. And you just, you can still do it, but you just think about like quality of life. Like how much could this change my sleep quality if I had a bigger hole to breathe with? Right. <laughs> yes. I'm considering it hard. So my deductible is almost met this year. So we will think about it some more. <laughs> um, so on the topic of, I guess I, we didn't mention this as much. Um, do you have a sleep hygiene routine? Do you use nasal washes? Um, can you know? Do you advise that for anybody? What, what is your nasal routine? Routine. I do like? advise it. Uh, there's a great product called Clear. X Clear. Y L E R. Okay. Clear. It's a xylitol nasal spray. So it's it's antibacterial. I love that. <laughs> you know, because we talked about these four walls getting us all the snot. Um, a lot of people do the neti pot. I personally decongested with Buteco. I mean, I have 10% of the boogers that I used to have. Wow. So right now I'll blow my nose after a hot shower. So you can hum in the shower. I tell people this a lot, like an hour before bed, because you don't want to do it right too close to bed. You'll, you'll overstimulate your body temperature. So like an hour before bed, take a hot shower, hum your way mm, through the whole thing. You're building up all that beautiful nasal nitric oxide and you're improving your CO2 tolerance and then blow your nose. Get it all out of there. And then before you go to bed, do buteco decongesting. So it's where you inhale through the nose, exhale through the nose. But before the end of the breath, you pinch your nose. Your tongue is up. Your lips are closed. You should feel pressure like you're trying to pop your ears, right? So you're building up this pressure in the sinus cavity. And you can shake or sway your head. But when you're hungry for air, go ahead and release and repeat. Eventually, within like two to ten minutes, you know, mine was like average of three minutes. As long as you don't breathe through your mouth, you'll start feeling the snot drip down your throat. It's kind of gross, but it makes you sleep better. <laughs> I'm nice. sure it's spit it out, but um, most of us just the post-nasal drip would swallow it. So yeah, nasal hygiene. That's that's been night and day. And then you know, understanding pillows and postures and and fascial work. Like I I don't go to bed without 20 minutes of breath work every night. So I'm basically establishing a breathing pattern before sleep. So it's engaging the parasympathetic nervous system, right? So do you do I'm, that in bed or in bed? Yeah. In so bed? I okay. on. I've already done my my my, uh, my fascial stretches with my foam roller, and I've got all contortionists in the floor before I get in my bed. And then I I tape and I do twenty minutes of breath work every night. That's my thing. Not only does it set up a pattern for your brain, which your brain loves patterns, right? I mean, we're creatures of habit, but it's setting the tone for my breathing and helping me produce more nitric oxide, which is that vasodilator, engaging the diaphragm, understanding how the inner, I, I'm not the expert on that, but understanding the inner workings as my belly rises and falls and what it's doing to my organs and, and getting the body in this nice calm state for sleep. Awesome. So I do the, I do the stretches, the foam roller before bed. I, I've done that since I was a kid, right? Since I was 13 or 14, but uh, it's helped me tremendously. If I don't do it, I know it is a huge difference. I the say next... stretch the day away. Like don't go to bed with that crap, stretch it out. <laughs> yeah. So we've been sitting, we've been hunched over, we've been doing all these things. Uh, we got to get our body right. So do you sit there and do you kind of meditate too while you're doing your, bre your breathing uh, in yeah, a way? Yeah. You can't not, I mean, that's what I've learned. Like I had no idea what meditation was. I'm like, yeah, that's foo-foo. <laughs> but when I started doing breath work, I'm like, well, crap, I have to focus on my breathing because that was like the whole point. And then when you start focused on your breathing, then you're like, clear your mind. You're like, oh, this is kind of cool in here. <laughs> like I'm not stressed now. Like, and you understand, you know, why when you look at meditation practices, they always center your breath, you know, come back to your breath, come back to your breath. I'm like, they knew it the whole time. <laughs> yes. I love it. So 
breath work before bed, nasal hygiene, stretching, mindfulness, or calming down activities. Anything else you want to add to that before? Uh, you know, I really am a huge advocate for intermittent, like our eating windows. Sorry, I don't like intermittent fasting. Eating windows. Give your body a chance to digest your dinner before you make it go to bed and work on that instead of this. Yep. So, you know, if your bedtime's nine o'clock, you know, maybe cut off your eating window, six, six thirty. Try to not eat stimulating foods, like something that your body's gonna have to work at. You know, you're gonna eat those beans, like have them in the morning. <laughs> sure. Like understanding that if you really want to restore the quality of your sleep, then you need to understand how all the parts work together and how you can manipulate the system to work to your advantage. Nice. What, what kind of eating window do you do? 12 hours, 16? I'm, I'm eight hours. Um, and then I do two days a week of fasting, liquid uh, fasting. Two full days every week? Yeah. So I do Tuesday and Thursday. Yeah. You are hardcore. That's well, awesome. Well, here's because I'm going the, the, the long route, right? So I'm growing my face naturally, which means I need to become a machine. Like I have to dial in my body and understand cell turnover and stuff like that. So uh, my, my diet is very, um, you know, it's non-inflammatory. And I, I understand the benefits of fasting when it comes to trying to produce more collagen, which is going to give me more bone. Yeah, more stem cell production. Mm -hmm. Yeah, more cell recycling, autophagy. That's awesome. Um, and, but here's the thing too, real quick. There's no way had I not fixed my breathing, which in turn fixed my sleep, would I ever have the mental capacity to fast, period and data. Be like, oh my God, I can't live without food. Are you kidding me? Yeah. But, and this works better. This is less impaired. I have way more control over this. That's probably one of the factors why you lost 20 pounds, right? Or one yeah, of the well that and you breathe off fat, you guys, it's in your exhale. <laughs> yeah. If I'm doing more breathing that's conscious, what am I doing with the fat? <laughs> right. And that's so true. If anyone has not slept good, you know the next day how hungry you are and how what what are you craving? You're craving high fat, high sugar foods. Give it, give it to mm -hmm. me because you you basically just can't control yourself. Your body's just looking for fuel because it's in a high cortisol state, so right? It's high stress state. And so Yeah, understanding leptin and ghrelin. I mean, ghrelin, grr. You know, right. <laughs> if you're not getting restorative sleep, you're gonna use synthetic stuff, and that's sugar and caffeine. Yep, exactly. So if you could if we could fast track three years from now, both personally and professionally, um, and you could look back or for for you to feel more I guess the word is more happy about your progress. What would the, the next three years look like for you in order to do that? Um, well, I quit my job. I'd stay home and meditate probably all day and do yoga. Because <laughs> I know I'd get way more, um, like I'm getting changes structurally now at 41 with my diet and breathing and, and fluid movement and whatnot. Um, but I would go back and tell me to fix the food at the same time I fixed my nose breathing. So, but I don't know if I could have, like, because it took me two years to realize the food was causing the snot. But the only reason I realized that is because I actually started getting better brain, brain function, like cognitive abilities. Like I, I was learning more and, you know, absorbing the information. Like, it's funny. I'm sorry. I'm probably blowing through the time here, but I listened to this article on NPR, like in 2008, and it was this lady talking about Alzheimer's and berries. She's like, yeah, women were shown to have a decrease um, possibility of having, you know, decline in memory if they ate berries and nuts every day. 
I heard that in 2008. Do you think I ate berries and nuts? Nope. <laughs> they get stuck in my teeth. There's no, not worth it. But as soon as I started getting restored to reparative sleep after I fixed the pathway in which I breathed, then I was able to take that information that so many of us have heard, but actually apply it to our life. It's it's literally you can't have one without the other. It's a yin and a yang, and it's understanding. It's it's literally all connected. You are so right. You are so right. So a couple of fast track questions or uh, quick fire questions, if you will. If you could have a billboard um, everywhere in the world, everyone could see it, and you could have one to two sentences, maybe health related or maybe motivational related, what would they be and why? Okay, I'm going to stand up. You guys can't see me on the podcast, but my shirt says, how you breathe matters, answers on back. And then the back, I don't know if I can get far away. Tongue up, lips closed, breathe through your nose. <laughs> you, so already got it. you already got it. <laughs> you already got it. You already got billboard. You are a walking billboard. Rhonda, the airway champion, is the walking billboard. I love it. How you breathe matters. I love it. I have not had that one yet. So yes, thank you for sharing that. All right. And the last question, if you were on a desert island and you got to pick one health-related tool, what would it be and why? Oh, gosh. You know, I, I've i been going back and forth over this. Um, you know, first it was magnesium. And then I thought, wait a minute. I'm doing a little bit more than the average Joe. You know, some people are just addressing their breathing dysfunction and calling it a day. I'm literally trying to grow my face. So I would take my bone broth with me. And by the way, my grass-fed beef bone broth has apple cider vinegar with mother and sea salt in it. So can I have all three of those since it's, you know, it makes one, sure. <laughs> one item? Sure. Okay. I'm taking my bone broth because nice. I understand how important collagen precursors are. And, and, and it's funny, vegetarians, vegans, they get a little upset with me. They're like, wow, are you eating meat? Um, I just, I understand the science behind it sure. and the nutrition value. So yes. especially when you're trying to grow your body parts. <laughs> right. so, yeah, so, okay. So that's leading to another question. So what is your nutritional supplement routine currently? Yeah. So um, two forms of magnesium. So I've got citrate and L-theanate. So one for digestion, one for my brain. Nice. Uh, uh, vitamin D with K. Like I never take the two independently. Like K needs D and D needs K you know, K is going to tell the D where to go. You know, you don't want calcium in places it's not supposed to be. Um, I would definitely take my, oh, my mushrooms. Yeah. I'm a big fan of mushrooms, you know, like shiitake. Or I'll, immune I, function. Yeah, just the brain health. Brain health. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. It, they, they go together so well. If I'm getting good restorative sleep because of my oxygenation and, and, and getting better um, firing, you know, fire wires that fire together. Oh, wait, hang on. The, what is it? Uh, see, this is where the mushrooms are. Where's my mushrooms? No, um, patterns that fire together, wire together, right? So yep. with the with the the mushrooms, you know, just lion's mane, just understanding these beautiful powers of fungi, which, you know, I never not liked the taste of mushrooms, but I just didn't realize how good they were for your brain. Uh, let's see what else I'm taking. I'm taking my ginger and my turmeric, you know, anti-inflammatory properties, right? Woohoo. Uh, I am taking... Um, I'm taking my beets. I, I do like a, a beet powder for nitric oxide. Yeah. For nitric oxide. Yeah. I'm hitting it from all points. And then I'm going to take my iodine. Yeah. Nice. 
Okay. Very, very cool. I love, <laughs> I love those. And of course your bone broth and your right? ACV. Yep. Cool. Well, Rhonda, this has been a pleasure and an honor speaking with you. Your wealth of knowledge in the airway space. Where can our viewers connect with you? Where can they find your work on social, your website, your podcast? Please mention all of those. Well, you know, I have a, a podcast, um, but it's it's for dental assistants. So if you're a dental assistant and you want to up your game to rock star status, uh, you can find me at DA Rockstars. Um, I do. I, I have communication through Dental Assistance Rock website. It's a place where me and my my co-host, you know, that's kind of our home base. And then if you want, I mean, to get obsessed with this airway thing, come over to TikTok. I know it's weird. You don't have to be 18. I promise you there's like grownups there too. You don't and have to dance. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to dance or sing. You can literally just help people learn. Yes. Awesome. So again, the Airway Champion on TikTok, DA Rockstars podcast on Apple, iTunes, everything, and then the website. So Rhonda, thank you again for coming. I really enjoyed this conversation. We'll have to do it again soon. Hope you have a fabulous Friday. Hope you have a great weekend. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye, guys. <laughs>